116 verse 11 says that all mankind it's frustrating because as as citizens of this country it's hard to tell sometimes who you know who is telling the truth and who isn't it can be it can be confusing and, and it almost seems like in order to be qualified you have to be able to be a, skilled at, at bending the truth and, and I personally I hate watching uh, politicians be interviewed and, and not, not all of them are this way I think there are some honest politicians but I think uh, a majority of them would fall into this category where they're, they're very skilled at saying a lot of words without actually saying anything at all you get to the end of it and you're like what did he just say but there's a skill to it it's all about appearance and it's not about substance it's all about putting on a face now while all people tell lies people like the truth uh, it's, it's a virtue that people value people want to know that they can trust someone we see this play out in our daily lives in history uh, abraham lincoln earned the, the nickname honest abe uh, he was a he was a store clerk in new salem Illinois, and he overcharged some of his customers. And he realized it later on that day, and he actually walked a couple miles to return the correct change to the woman who was overcharged. And so he, he earned the nickname Honest Abe, and he was someone from our country's history that uh, people thought they could trust. And then in the 1970s, Richard Nixon uh, was on the scene, and of course the Watergate scandal happened. And for the American people at that point, it was an all-time low of trust in the federal government. So that's why in 1976, Jimmy Carter ran by saying that, I promise that I will never tell a lie to the American people. And of course, he won the election, and that was influential that statement was influential in winning him the presidency. Now, whether or not he, he lived up to it, God knows. You know, we don't know that, I guess. So certainly this shows that people value the truth. People value an honest person. The reason people tell lies is to deceive for their own personal gain. And people like to hide the truth. People also tell lies to put others down in order to lift themselves up. But telling the truth is a virtue that is, that is valued. And it's interesting because people lie on a daily basis. It, it's a part of people's lives. And yet, the truth is, is this virtue that is way up here that's, that almost seems unattainable, but people really value it. But the good news is there is a such thing as truth out there and it can be attained by each one of you because the Bible reveals truth to us and the Bible reveals that it is a it is, it is a beautiful thing to be a truthful person this morning is the ninth commandment and in Exodus 20 verse 16 God com God commands you not to bear false witness against your neighbor this sermon is calling you to tell the truth at all times to tell the truth at all times. And there are three reasons why you must tell the truth at all times. The first reason is to reflect God's truthful character. 
to reflect God's truthful character. Now, as you're coming here today, you, you assume, of course, that God is truthful. And, and the Bible explains that with crystal clarity, that God is truthful. Isaiah 65, 15 describes the Lord as the God of truth. Titus 1, 2 says that God cannot lie. Uh, Hebrews 6, 18 says that it is, it is impossible for God to lie. On the other hand, there is a being in the universe who does the opposite. He is incapable of telling the truth. And you can guess who that is. That is Satan. Satan is a liar. John 8, 44 says that Satan is the father of lies. It says that there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And it's no surprise that the first lie recorded in Scripture was performed by Satan. And this is an account many of you are familiar with. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Eve believes the lie, and she sins. And Adam's sin, and the human race falls into sin from that lie that was told by Satan. So Satan can only speak lies. And God speaks truth. Have you ever wondered, we we live in an interesting world. It it, it can be a very confusing place at times. People are very confused. They don't don't know what truth is. And one, one thing you see is that Satan has created many lies in this world, and they're everywhere. Uh, there's, some people don't even think there's a such thing as, as a true religion. Obviously, as Christians, we understand that there, are, there is a true religion, the religion that's revealed from the Bible, and then there, there are false religions, religions that contradict what we find in Scripture. And the source of these lies from these religions comes from Satan himself. Satan is a liar. And Jesus, in John 14, 6, describes himself as the truth. In that famous verse where he says, I am the way, the truth. He describes himself in that way. The Holy Spirit is described three times in John chapters 14 through 16 as the spirit of truth. Al Mohler, who's the president of of, uh, Southern Seminary in Louisville, he said that everything about God reflects absolute truth and undiluted truth. In him... There is no lie. His justice and his righteousness are established in an absolute veracity, in absolute truth. He hates lies, and his followers must be people of truth. His creatures are obligated to to the truth. So if you lie, you do not reflect God, you reflect Satan, the father of lies. And as a result, you become a poor witness to the world. But by speaking the truth, you bring honor to God. 
and you present yourself as a good witness to the world. I mean, we all know people like this. Employers see employees who tell the truth, and then they see employees who tell lies. It, it becomes a really powerful witness. And what's interesting is that this concept of truth, you will receive objections about this in our culture because we live in a very interesting time. And this is something that I'm going uh, to address in this sermon. Because some people even reject that there is a such thing as absolute truth. They think that truth comes from yourself, that you yourself can determine it. And that leads us to the second reason why you must tell the truth at all times. The second reason why is to stand for God's standard of truth. To stand for God's standard of truth. Truth suggests that there is a standard of right and wrong. John 17, 17, this is one of the, one of the uh, most beautiful verses in Scripture. Jesus is praying to the Father in the high priestly prayer, and he says, Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. It's interesting here. Jesus uses the word that is a noun and not an adjective. An adjective would be true. Your word is true. You know, two plus two equals four is true, but it's not truth. Truth is a standard that must be reached. And and if something doesn't measure up to that standard, then it must be rejected. And so when you look at the Bible and you look at what comes from the world, that's why you need to reject things because it doesn't measure up to that standard of truth. And so Scripture makes that clear by using the word for truth as a noun and not an adjective. Philosopher Richard Rorty said that truth is made and not found. And Richard Rorty is a person who argued for postmodernism. And to give you just a little bit of a history lesson here, uh, there's, there's been three phases uh, that, that we've seen over hundreds of years of history, uh, actually thousands of years of history, and those are pre-modernism, modernism, and post-modernism. Modernism says that truth is found in God or, or in a deity. Uh, modernism says that truth is found in science. Science reveals what truth is. Postmodernism says that you decide what truth is. So it's, it's subjective. You yourself decide it. The truth is in here. So the truth is up there, the truth is in there, or the truth is in here. It's interesting, too. I was looking at uh, uh, Disney movies this last week, and certainly Disney doesn't agree with that because they, they made the film Pinocchio. And, of course, Pinocchio tells lies, and his nose grows longer whenever he tells lies. And when you think of postmodernism, this sounds atheistic, does it not? And I think that's because it is. If there's no absolute truth, that means there's no moral law giver. Uh, without sin, there's no need to be saved, and there's no need for the gospel. However, all of humankind is trapped in the reality of right and wrong. You can't escape it. You cannot have this, the discussion of truth versus lie in a non-moral sense. There's no category for it. Because what do you call something that is false that is made to be true? You call it a lie. And every person on the planet 
understands that. Their culture doesn't teach them that. It's, it's an inherent morality that exists. Humanity did not invent it. It came from God. God reveals the things that are false and with his truth. And those things that are false must be condemned. If the postmodern thought played out in the practical world, it would be a disaster, if you think about it. Imagine a surgeon doing a surgery and saying, you know what, I'm just going to cut any way that I want. Could you, could you imagine being the patient there? Would that feel a little uncomfortable? I think so. Or bankers. You want to you get the correct amount of money as someone who invests in a bank. But if a banker says, you know, I'm, I'm going to determine whatever amount I want to give you, that doesn't hold up either. Or the court system. Imagine a criminal saying, you know what, I did what was right in my own mind. I mean, imagine Hitler saying that. Of course, he, he believed he did what was right. It, it crumbles with reality because everyone can look at it and say, no, what you did is evil because evil does exist. And if a person is pulled over for speeding, they could always say, well, I know, I realize it's 55 miles per hour, but I thought, I thought, I think it's okay to go 80. The cop isn't going to like that. You know, there's fiction sections in bookstores and there's nonfiction sections. There's reality and there's made-up stories. And two plus two equals four, okay? You don't need to be a math genius to realize that. There's only one right answer. And when it comes to morality, this is also the case. You know, there is right and there is wrong. People do not have to have the right to determine what is right in their own mind. And this sermon is extremely relevant to what we're facing in our culture. About 10 days ago, uh, the Supreme Court ruled in a 5-4 to decision to legalize same-sex marriage uh, in all 50 states. And, of course, as Christians, we realize that uh, the culture doesn't have the right to make that determination because the Bible makes crystal clear that the practice of homosexuality is a sin and it should not be supported. And, in fact, um, people who do that should be called to repent because it is, it is wrong. It goes against God's created order. And, and we believe that because there's a standard of truth that exists that is revealed in Scripture. So we're seeing this determined truth, the w- whatever way you want, we're seeing this play out in our culture. This wouldn't have happened hundreds of years ago when truth was revealed by God, when, when mainstream culture believed that truth was revealed by a supreme being. And it was interesting. I, I had a conversation recently. I work security part-time, as you know. And I had a conversation recently with a guy. He told me that uh, we humans, we come from stardust. And, you know, there's, there's, there's scientists who actually believe that. And it's, 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 in, it's, it's uh, insane that anyone could ever believe that, but it's true. And this, this guy who t- said that to me, a few weeks later, came up to me and he said, and he was talking about what happened in Charleston, South Carolina with, with the shootings at that church. And what he said to me is, that was evil. And it was interesting because I, I, I spotted a contradiction in, in what he was saying because he said we came from Stardust. If we came from Stardust, that means we're accidents. And, and if you're an accident, that means there's no meaning to life and there's no purpose and there's no morality. And so there's no such thing as evil. 
but he just told me that was evil. And the reason people say that is because evil really does exist. God is good. And when sin came into the world with Adam and Eve, evil came into the world. We see it, and, and it's unavoidable. People see it all around them. And people disagree on moral issues because they are rejecting God's standard of truth. And Romans 1, verses 21 through 25, explains why people reject the truth. It says, Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So what this text says here is that while truth is clear, while God has made truth clear to all humans, people don't want it. And so they suppress the truth. And they do what they want. And they believe whatever they want. We're seeing this play out in our culture. And no matter how society tries to get around it, there is no way out of the fact that there is truth. And the God of the Bible has revealed it to us. So this sermon is calling you today here to stand for truth in an error-filled world. The Bible says, as I mentioned in the open, that all mankind are liars. But 2,000 years ago, a man of the truth entered our sphere. He penetrated this world. John 1.14 says that the, the word who became flesh, he came full of grace and truth. Isaiah 53.9 says that there was no deceit found in his mouth. And when Jesus was before Pilate, Jesus said to Pilate that he came into the world to bear witness about the truth. So Jesus himself represents the truth as he comes from the Father. And as a Christian, you speak on behalf of this man of truth. As 1 John 4, 6 says, We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So you represent the spirit of truth in this world. And it's opposed to the spirit of error. So that's the second reason why you must tell the truth at all times. The third reason why you must tell the truth at all times is to protect the reputation of others to protect the reputation of others. And if you look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, this is clearly in the context of our passage. Exodus twenty sixteen says that you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And the, the immediate context of this commandment is the court of law. This concerns the legal testimony that a witness gives to the jury in a trial. 
Bearing a false witness was a problem in the ancient Near East because someone could falsely accuse someone and that person could be put to death on the testimony of one witness. But God, being the God of Israel, the country that he ruled, he, he made a, a standard with more integrity. The standard that he set up is that people can only be accused, accused on the witness of two or three. So not just one, but two or three. And so there were measures that were put up to prevent someone from being falsely accused. Another way that, uh, another measure that was put up to prevent people from being falsely accused is that if someone accused someone, they would cast the first stone. Okay, it's one thing to falsely accuse someone and, and, and they go and are put to death and you never see them again. And it's another thing to actually be the one to throw the first stone. If you remember the, the story of the woman caught in adultery, uh, Jesus says, uh, he who is, is without sin cast the first stone. That's where that comes from. Uh, Deuteronomy 17.7 says, the hand of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. And guess what? If one was, was found to falsely accuse another, the same crime that was going to happen to the one they were accusing happens to them. So they are put to death. Okay, so there were major ramifications if you falsely accused. And so God, being a wise God, set it up this way so that justice would happen and that injustice would be prevented. So as a witness, you better be sure the person is guilty. Now in our courts today, the, wit the witnesses swear an oath before they reveal what they saw. And the words spoken to them, we've all heard this maybe on uh, Law and Order or different TV shows or maybe cops. I'm not sure what you watch. But do you solemnly swear that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And to lie under oath is to commit perjury. And there are serious consequences to that crime as well. And just like all the Ten Commandments, when, when you break one of the Ten Commandments, what you're doing is you're hurting one of God's image bearers. It's not just that you're hurting a, a random person. You're hurting God's image bearers, and as a result, you're offending God, the creator of that image bearer as well. So do not falsely accuse another person. And what happens when you falsely accuse another person is that that person's reputation is really damaged. And Scripture speaks to valuing another's reputation. We should really value someone's reputation because once someone's reputation is ruined, it really, it really crumbles the person. We, we've seen this play out. There's lots of people who have reputations that have been ruined, and it's, it's tragic when you see that. And so we should be people who value their reputation. Now, you may have never falsely accused someone in a criminal case, and I imagine that most of you haven't. But the sin that I'm going to talk about here, I, I'm, I'm certain that all of you have committed, and I, and I know that I have committed, and that's the sin of gossip. Gossip relates to this topic. Because when you gossip, you are damaging another's reputation before others. 
Proverbs 22, 1. It's a great verse. It says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Okay, so a good name is to be greatly valued. Someone's reputation is to be greatly valued. And since gossip takes place in private, the person being talked about is not able to defend himself or herself. A couple years ago, uh, there was a, a crazy event happened uh, in Virginia. Uh, there were uh, an anesthesiologist, a gastroenterologist, I'm not even sure if I said that right, but, and a medical assistant who were in a room giving a colonoscopy uh, to this man. And the, and the man happened to be a lawyer, of, and this will make this really funny. Uh, he, he taped on his phone a recording so that he could understand the instructions. Because for any of you who've had a colonoscopy, you feel kind of weird for a while, and, and, you, and you can't really understand the instructions. So he recorded it, and later on, he listened to it. And they gossiped about him, and they talked about how annoying he was. And, and, the, and the anesthesiologist even... She, she confessed that she lied on his report. She said that he had hemorrhoids when he didn't, in fact, have hemorrhoids. And so the person who had the colonoscopy sued the anesthesiologist and was awarded, actually a couple weeks ago, $500,000 for defamation and malpractice. Uh, and when I, when I saw that story, it made me think, how how embarrassing it would be to hear some of our conversations when we have talked bad about people. I know, th I know that I have. And I think, I think one day at the judgment, Jesus might replay those conversations. It's going to be really humiliating, and, and it's, especially if the person you were talking about is there with you. And so I, I think a good litmus test is to imagine the person being in the room with you. Would this person approve of what I'm saying? You know, am I accurately portraying it? Am I treating the person with care? The best thing to do is, is to go straight to the person. And I'll explain that in a little bit here. But Philip Ryken says that they are charged, tried, and convicted in a court of private opinion. Okay, so they, they're not able to... Someone who's on the, uh, on the bad end of receiving gossip, they're not in the position to defend themselves. And what takes place in gossip is slander. Slander is the unjustified injury of another's reputation a false statement that brings down another. So would the person approve of what you're saying in private? That's a good litmus test. Now, listening to gossip is also bad. So if, someone ever, if you're ever around someone who's gossiping about someone else, you should stop that person and say, you know what, we sh really shouldn't do this. And, and that's, that's, that's a good thing to do. It's a holy thing to do that. And that's what you must do. But if you do nothing about it, what you're doing is you're actually participating in it because you're not stopping clear sin that is taking place. And one of the most convicting verses in Scripture that I find is Matthew 12, 36, where it says that we will be judged for every careless word we have spoken. And I know that we've spoken a lot of careless words. So what is the biblical solution to gossip? and to slander. Well, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, give us a good biblical solution. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault 
between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to, or if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Okay, so if you think someone has done something to hurt you, what you need to do is you need to go to that person and confront them about it and tell them, you know, I, I think you sinned against me would, and I, I want to forgive you, but would you, would you ask for forgiveness? That's, what, that's the approach to take. And if, and if, they still, if they're hard and they say, you know what, I'm not going to, then you take two or three along with you. And if they still don't, then you tell it to the church. And, and if the church, if they still don't do it, then that's when the person is disciplined out of the church. And obviously for that to work, the person would have to be in your church for them to be disciplined out. But even if the person isn't in your church, the best approach to take is to go to that person and to confront them. Because if you don't do that, what will inevitably happen is that you will gossip about that person with someone else and their reputation will be damaged. So it's the hard thing to do, but typically the hard thing to do is the right thing to do. The problem is dealt with right there, right then and there, and it does not spread into something big. I think one of the most overlooked sins within the church is the sin of gossip. It's, 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 it's at the top of the list, I would say. It's, it's one of the top, certainly. So this sermon this morning is calling you to tell the truth at all times. And there's three reasons why. To reflect God's truthful character. To stand for God's standard of truth. And to protect the reputation of others. Truth finds its root in God because he is the God of truth. And God has established his church to represent this truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 says that the church of the living God is a pillar of the truth. So this is the place where the truth must be proclaimed. So strive to be a person full of truth in this dark world that is filled with falsehood. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would raise up, even within this church, uh, people who would be truth-tellers. And I, and I hope, Lord, we already are, in a lot of ways, as people who have been washed, as people who have been sanctified, and as people who are being made holy every single day. And Lord, we see a lot of error in this world. We see a lot of sin. We see a lot of falsehood. Uh, and we know that it goes back to Satan. He is the father of lies. And when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, um, he says that your father is the devil. And the reason that they told lies is because their father told lies. And I, and I pray, Lord, that we would be far from that, that we would be people of the truth and that we would look more like Christ every day as, as we tell the truth and as we tell the truth of the gospel too and, and the need for forgiveness of sins that are only found in Jesus Christ. And so Lord, I pray for this in the name of your son, Jesus.